0: Welcome to the Review of Your Name Podcast. I am, as always, Jordan. With me tonight, we have Chris. Hey, how's it going? And Sam. Oh. Today on the show, we're going to be talking about the uh, new news in pop culture. We're going to be t- talking a little bit about pilots that we watched and what we thought of pilot season as a whole. And we're going to be returning to Challenge Accepted uh, for Sam and I to discuss Ken Burns Baseball, as well as playing a little Who Would Win in a Fight. So it's going to be a good show. Hopefully, it'll stick with us throughout the hour. We're going to start out by uh, talking about some of the big news in pop culture over the last week. Um, My personal favorite story from the last week is where we're going to start this week. There has been an announcement that there will be a new Peanuts movie, uh, a new movie based on Charles Schultz's Peanuts characters, and the rationale that Schultz's grandson gave in the press release was, now that the technology is finally good enough to realize the the dream of the Peanuts movie, it will be back. I'm confused about this. A because the Peanuts obviously are hand-drawn characters from a uh, comic strip, and it, it's never been like, well, if only they had the budget to do it right, we could get another Peanuts movie. Um, Peanuts, Peanuts was always supposed to be in 3D. Don't you know that? <laughs> Charles Schultz actually had this grand ambition of doing a, you know, a, a three-part 3D epic uh, with all sorts of lasers shooting out at the screen and um, you know, dragon fights and stuff, but it couldn't be realized. And now it can.
1: Snoopy like flies his doghouse like straight at you at uh, the screen. That's what they've and been when, waiting for.
0: When Lucy moves the football, Charlie Brown actually flies to the screen and becomes a real life uh creation that will follow you home and uh hang out with you for three to five weeks after you <laughs> see the movie. So
2: so is this gonna be a uh like a feature like in theater type thing, or is this gonna be another one of the Charlie Brown, you know, it's it's an abortion, Charlie Brown. Like, is it going to be another one of those? Or uh... no,
0: it's it's going to be a feature film. Though uh, I did not miss it's an abortion, Charlie Brown, and I'll have to check that one out.
2: I think it really should be called "I Need an Abortion, Charlie Brown."
0: I think that <laughs> is, it's it's Lucy standing behind her little the uh, the doctor is in psychology stand, oh, just gosh. looking really depressed. Okay. I thought I thought
2: Lucy was going to hang a sign that says "abortions so, five cents."
0: <laughs> oh. This news roundup is going to very dark territory very quickly.
2: <laughs> but wait a minute. So, so, uh, this, it's not going to have like a theme. It's not going to be holiday based. It's just going to be like. I mean, it may have a theme. I assume there'll be some thematic
0: content of some sort. Well, you
2: know, you know what I mean? Like it won't I do be know like Charlie Brown. It won't be Halloween or Thanksgiving or Christmas. It won't be any of that. Well, they've sort of already done thing. all of those
0: and they were all pretty good. Except Thanksgiving's kind of bad. Linus. But, Linus is there's investigating also the one on like a Schroeder's murder.
2: <laughs> well, there's the one where the girl has cancer.
0: What? Yeah, that is that is a special. I don't remember which one it is, but it is a it's special. Probably like I Have Cancer, Charlie Brown. Ugh. It's a <laughs> eulogy, Charlie Brown. <laughs> Spoiler alert: doesn't wow. end well. Actually, I think it ends fine. I don't really. It know is
2: no. It. It's actually called Why Charlie
0: Brown Why. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! That's dark. <laughs> I hope I hope the new Peanuts movie is a hard R that is uh, even darker than Why Charlie Brown. Why? It's focused on Why the Charlie relationship Brown, between y, uh,
2: apparently, according to its Wikipedia page, was the first animated show to address the subject of cancer.
0: It first aired March sixteenth, nineteen ninety. Sadly, it was not the last, as now all children's programming is about cancer. Absolutely, as it should be. <laughs> they need to know. Okay, well. Our, our coverage of the new Peanuts movie has gone to darker areas than we've usually gone on the podcast, so <clears throat> why don't we move on to another dark adaptation. Uh, Reza has announced that he is directing an adaptation of Grant Morrison's new comic book miniseries, Happy, which will be scripted by Morrison himself. Um, for those of you who have not read the first issue of Happy, it's about a gangster who teams up with an imaginary talking blue horse to save a little girl. Um I for one am excited about this. What do you guys think?
2: Um well I haven't read Happy at all. Um so I, I don't know whether I should feel happy. I like Grant Morrison. I have no idea how you know good a director Rizza is. Um I've seen him in movies and stuff. What has he directed?
0: Um I believe his first directorial uh his directorial debut is The Man with the Iron Fist, which is coming out soon.
1: Yes, that is true. Oh, so we don't even know. Like we have—I no, mean, he could be a terrible yeah.
0: director, and that would make me less excited about this. But at the moment, it's a Grant Morrison script based on a Grant Morrison story, so that's exciting to me. And Man with the Iron Fist is either going to be like ridiculous and awesome, or incredibly self-serious and upsetting. But I'm going to see it either way.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I—the director being kind of an unknown quantity
1: makes me a little on the fence about this. I mean. And also it's, we're, we're just like one issue into the series so far. Like I liked what I saw from the first issue, but it's still kind of in the too early to tell phases. I think I'll have a better idea of how adaptable the story is as we get all down the road. Um, but yeah, I think it's, I think it's cause to be excited. I would, I'll definitely see it regardless, but how excited I think remains to be seen.
0: Yeah, well, it's 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 sort of the situation where you know someone optioning a product that we haven't even really seen all of yet. You know, yeah. people buying buying up the rights to make movies of books that haven't come out yet, things like that. It's always a little bit like okay, but when it's when it's an adaptation of something that I I is by someone I enjoy and I liked the first issue well enough, I'll obviously continue to read it. Um, I think it's exciting, yeah. uh, at least enough to make me go, really. I'll probably see that. <laughs>
1: I hope they schedule it for release around the Christmas Eve. I mean, they would have to. It, it, what it is is it's a Christmas story. It's like the dirtiest, filthiest, mm-hmm. most violent, horrible Christmas story you could possibly imagine. And also, there's a cute little cartoon blue horse in there uh, oh. who just wants to save the little girl who imagined him. So it's it's a feel good. It's a feel good kind of story. Oh yeah, it sounds yeah
2: sounds lovely.
0: It is. This is this is a really dark uh iteration of the news round. <laughs> I don't think it's going to get any lighter as we start talking about uh the fact that it's been announced that Louie is not coming back until 2014 um and that community has been pulled from NBC's schedule. I'm wrapping those up into one big story because it's about two comedies that we like not being on TV when we thought they might be on TV again. Um
2: well, well the Louie one I mean it's I mean it sucks that we're not going to get Louie, but it's not because, you know, it's his decision. Right. Uh, not to come back and he's doing it, you know, so he has more time to kinda of figure out the stories he wants to tell and he's still gonna do stand up, so you know, yeah, it sucks, he's not gonna be around, but it's I don't think it's like it's not horrible news. I think community getting pulled from the schedule, again, it's it's still gonna come back. I think it's just coming back a little later. Um I think community though, it's it's probably this is it. This is gonna be the last season of community. Uh it's gotta be.
0: Well, ultimately, I don't think it's bad news in either case, really. It's, I mean, from, from ai want more louis and I-want-more-Louis-in-community-as-soon-as-possible perspective, obviously, I would like to, Louis to come back next year in community to be on, what, this week as it was supposed to be. Um, <clears throat> but I think it, it's actually going to end up being a good thing. A, because, like you said, Louis taking the time because he wants to focus on developing the stories for the new season and, I guess, taking it in a slightly different direction from what he's been saying. He's, uh, I guess he says he sees the first three seasons as sort of a trilogy, and he wants season four to be the beginning of a new trilogy. Um, I'm not sure that I see the, the trilogy out of the first three seasons that he does, but I loved all three of them, and um, he can take all the time he wants if, if the show's going to continue to be as good as it has been. As for community, I feel like the fact that it's been pulled off the schedule from Friday night means it might be placed back in the schedule somewhere that more people might maybe see it, which would be good. You know, uh, NBC's Wednesday night is imploding. Animal Practice and Guys with Kids are both not getting any ratings. So there's a chance that both of those shows get taken off the schedule and canceled in the next few weeks. And Community is now a Wednesday night comedy, which would be great. Um, Still probably no one's going to watch it. Still probably it'll be canceled. But it has a better chance than it will Friday night at 8.30.
1: Yeah, I don't see the community getting pulled as bad news per se at the moment, just because I don't think things can really get worse for community fans right now. As Sam just said a minute ago, we're all pretty much uh, making peace with the fact that this will probably be the last season of Community. We're preparing ourselves for the idea that Community is going to be less than what it was because now Dan Harmon is no longer showrunner, Um, but... The idea that it's been pulled from the schedule, it's just a delay. We're going to see it at some point because NBC has already been filmed. And regardless of the fact that the ratings aren't great for it, it does have a viewership. And if NBC has the show is done, as soon as NBC has a hole in the schedule, it's going to plug community right in there, whether or not it is going to be the last season or not, because they know that they've already paid for it and people will watch it. Maybe not as many people as they like, but it will be watched.
0: Yeah, and there's i mean, there's always a chance that Community gets plugged in in the next week or two uh, to a Wednesday night slot and then becomes successful enough to get a back nine before its inevitable cancellation. I would say that's very unlikely, but it's possible, which um, if the new iteration of Community is even half as good as the old show, I would watch 22 more episodes of it uh, as opposed to 13. So if you want to think really optimistically, maybe this is very good news for Community. Probably it's just moderate news.
1: Yeah, again, I just don't think it's bad news. It it could be good news. It's probably not. It's probably like a break-even kind of scenario. But this is like a huge period of transition for NBC right now. So we're going to see holes in the schedule all over the place, both due to like new shows failing and old favorites like 30 Rock wrapping up a little bit earlier. Like It's only a 13-episode season of 30 Rock, right?
0: That's correct, yes.
1: So there's going to be a lot of room for community to come in at some point, hopefully on a night that isn't Friday.
0: Uh two episodes into thirty rocks last thirteen i i um i'll be less sad to see it go i think if it continues to be of the quality it's been the first two weeks
2: I think it was pretty um, good
0: actually i watched i watched uh, last Thursday's episode I think chris you said this exact thing to me, and I said, okay, and then I went and watched the episode and um forgot it like fifteen minutes afterwards
2: yeah yeah I, well i I think it's kind of like it's it's kind of like a you know, like it it's always been. It's still kind of like a joke machine. It might be a little bit more disposable um, you know, right after watching
1: it. But I still think it's you know, it's pretty good.
0: I like that Matthew Broderick was there.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, Matthew Broderick appearances are always welcome on that show.
0: Um, he's he's always fun. Yeah. Brian Cranston was not as, as awesome as I had hoped he would be, but also the whole like introducing Kenneth's parents thing was inevitably going to be disappointing. I you know what, I,
1: I don't I I think I might I did find it to be a little bit forgettable, but I, I too am still enjoying 30 Rock a lot. I don't think it's really gone off the rails or anything. I think it's still a very highly enjoyable show. It's just, it, it's been around for a while and it's kind of become a little formulaic, but it's an enjoyable formula. So while it's maybe not the most memorable, memorable or uh, hot comedy to talk about, it's still, it's always satisfying. I'm not going to stop watching anytime soon and I think I will miss it when it's gone. And, well, and if you about, oh, go ahead, Sam.
2: If like, This is going to be, this is 30 Rock's seventh and final season. Yes. Yeah. If you compare, like, uh, the quality of 30 Rock right now to, say, the quality of, like, How I Met Your Mother, which is in what season? Eight? Eight. Eight.
0: Oh, and don't get me wrong, it's it's
2: way higher. (laughs) That's what I'm saying, and I think that's kind of impressive and a a tribute to the quality of writing on the show. Yeah, And kind of the consistency. I,
0: yeah, I mean, to be clear, I don't want to come out as against 30 Rock in any way, shape, or form. I've loved the show for its whole run, and I'm writing about the seventh season, even though I missed Thursday's episode for too long to actually review it. Um, I'm going to be writing about the rest of it. And I think it's still a very good show, even though it's, it's become more hit or miss as it's gotten older. Um, and yeah, obviously I'll miss it, especially because who knows what NBC's going to be like after 30 Rock leaves. As the show is doing a good job of parodying right now, the network has kind of imploded um and i have no idea what thursday nights on nbc are going to look like next season with i guess the office is ending so you're going to have probably that weird dwight-based office spinoff um hopefully another season of parks and rec and some random other comedies that maybe have monkeys
1: yeah they're just milking that monkey for all it's worth
0: (laughs) poor crystal can never leave nbc (laughs)
1: Next, uh, next season, it will be teamed up with Matthew Perry in a buddy cop drama.
0: Uh, would I watch that? Yes. Yeah, yes, I, I would, would too, unfortunately. <laughs> if it was Matthew Perry and a monkey solving crimes, I'd watch that. Is, show. uh
2: that Matthew Perry show, whatever it's called, go on? Is that still on?
0: It is yeah. still on, and it got the full season pickup, right? Oh.
1: Well, we can touch on that in a minute when we get to our uh, discussion. That is, that is a pilot I actually did see. Oh well,
0: we will we will talk about that in just a moment. Before Though we I haven't do, watched
2: any successive episodes, as you can tell. Like I didn't even know I was
0: still. Is it still after. on television? No. Is that still? Sam will thing? ask that about every single TV show we talk about. <laughs> for the rest of the this podcast and all future installments. Um, before we wrap up the news roundup, Chris, there were a few big stories coming out of uh, the New York Comic Con that uh, were TV based that you wanted to talk about. Uh, yeah, so
1: some of. Just a little bit of a news roundup to come out of New York City Comic Con. I think probably the biggest uh, TV related announcement to come out of Comic Con itself was the fact that Joss Whedon's Shield show was going to star uh, Agent Coulson would be in the starring role. Clark Gregg is returning to reprise his role as Agent Coulson. For spoilers alert, he apparently he did not die in Avengers and will be the focal point of the new Shield show that Joss Whedon is uh, adapting for television. Wait, um, what?
0: Yeah. Yeah. You didn't hear about this? No. Yep. Clark Gregg is the star.
2: It's not and it's not a prequel.
0: No, no. His his character just didn't die. Yeah. That's the
2: biggest load of shit I've ever heard in my life. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, I agree with you on the one hand, but on the other, I love Clark Gregg and Oh, I'm... I love
2: Clark Gregg too, which is part of the reason why the death of Agent Colson was so effective. Yeah. It's yeah. almost as if they're raising him from the dead with a Dangerous yet convenient spell from a witch.
0: <laughs> I, I I'm glad wonder to see what you're referencing. Isn't recycling anything. <laughs> um. In any case, more Clark Gregg is good for me. I, right, so I think how that's is greatest. he alive? Hold on. Let's not just like go like oh. He's alive.
2: <laughs> and 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 we've talked about in Avengers like you know talking about you know you know Joss like he kills characters and it's sad yeah. and it's sad because they're dead. Um well, and uh, they needed they needed something to 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 bring the group together, and you know even though Samuel Jackson kind of embellished it a little bit, he was dead, and it did bring them together. So that's all just like a lie.
0: Um.
1: See, here's I also it could we be watched a lie. him
2: die it, in the movie. It could like, we saw him die. It wasn't <laughs> we, like he was no no, shot, no no. We saw we, just we saw Samuel
1: Jackson looking at him meaningfully as the paramedics rush in. So. No, 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 no. We saw the life leave his eyes.
2: (laughs) We saw him do the the dead man glazed look.
0: (laughs) I really, I really enjoy how angry Sam is that Clark Gregg is coming (laughs) to (laughs) to (laughs) the I,
2: I love him, and if he had been horribly wounded and it was ambiguous as to whether he lived or died in the Avengers,
1: I'd be all for it. But he was dead i think they're just saying like it it was a robot or something right chris isn't that what they said i i didn't really see the
0: actual explanation that went out but yeah that sounds like it would make the most sense what what i think they're saying saying like life model decoy which is the marvel universe for we killed a character that we didn't want to kill yeah
1: a life model decoy yeah shield has robots that look like people because people are trying to assassinate shield agents all the time Ah, so everybody has one robot that looks like uh...
2: Good old Doctor Who, are they? All right, well we're gonna play that game. <laughs>
1: Sam's so angry right now. I'm just saying, Sam's just pissed now. <laughs> it just seems... he starts the crusade against the shield show. <laughs> I'm not... just saying.
2: I'm just saying. You know what? If they can, if they can sell me on like somehow, like if they can explain to me in a reasonable way how he is not dead, I'll be fine with it, and I will watch. And I, you know, I love Agent Coulson. I like the character, I like the actor. But he died. He fucking <laughs> died. That was like a major plot point in the movie.
1: Yeah. And it does it does undercut what was probably one of the most like emotional moments of the movie. But yeah, like, it have, destroys it. like Yeah.
2: You can't you know what? You can't go back and watch that movie now after the show debuts and feel bad. You can't. You fucking can't. It's like it, it's like watching uh I don't know trying to think of an example of this let me think back to all the people that came back to life on buffy uh who'd they bring back besides buffy
1: that's pretty much it angel
2: oh uh, yeah angel came back to life angel came back to life it doesn't mean any like Spike. when he dies i don't feel bad
0: i feel bad because he gets sucked into a hell dimension for a hundred uh, years see that is true but that's a whole different geek conversation that is, that is a whole
2: nother <laughs> bag of potatoes but- what, what I'm saying bed. is, it, it definitely, it's going to affect, like, rewatches. It's going to ruin that moment, I think. I'm I'm kind of confused degree.
0: as to why Joss Whedon um, decided to bring Coulson back for that exact reason. Because, obviously, like, S.H.I.E.L.D. wasn't going to be a show before Avengers came out. It's only a show now that Avengers was so successful. And then want to have more Whedon stuff out there. Um, So, like, clearly he made the decision to kill Coulson, not thinking he was going to bring him back for the show. Which is, like... The exact same situation for Angel coming back to life when Whedon was killing Angel to kill him, and then the WB was like, hey, by the way, we'll give David Boreanaz a show when you can run it if you bring him back to life. And he was like, well, Angel's back to life magically now. So it's, it's not like he hasn't made a decision like this before, but it still does seem kind of strange, I will admit. I I'm more excited than angry. This
1: does me as like a like motivated move, though. It, it it strikes me as that there needed to be, like probably on part of Marvel where this the studio or just disney in general saying that in order to establish this as connected in the same universe you have to have at least one crossover character and the only two that make sense for this are agent colson and colby smulders unfortunately colby smulders is still tied up by how i met your mother so clark huh, Craig not for long. The obvious choice. yeah really it should
0: just be her that'd be great yeah
1: i mean if they if we had been able to wait that out i think that would have worked better you could have had like, maybe, maybe they still get Maya her
0: hill what's that I said, maybe they'll still get her. You don't know. Yeah, they could. Let's all dream about Kobe Smoulter starring in a Josh Whedon show for a moment. Um, but what was the other big news from uh, Comic-Con? Okay, so the other big news from Comic-Con...
1: Well, this was a little before Comic-Con, actually. But apparently, uh, Ed Brubaker, who is known for his uh, five-year run on Captain America and other titles such as Daredevil, uh, the fan-favorite noir series Criminal, and the critical darling, uh, and one of my personal favorite comics at the moment, uh, Fatal, which is a crime slash horror series. Uh, This writer has two pilots that are apparently being optioned, uh, one by uh, NBC and one by Fox. Um, So apparently they are adapted from, one of them is an adaptation of a comic book idea he had, and the other one is a completely new idea just for TV. Uh, Both of them are one of them is very crime centric. It's about a uh, American member of the Yakuza who is now on the run from both the FBI and his former associates. And the other one is uh, a little bit less detailed, but it's going to be very espionage based. Um, as a big fan of Brubaker and uh, the stuff he's done for comics, I would be very excited for either of these projects to be picked up. Um, and uh, but there's no real word on what when we might see them yet
0: well yeah as always when we discuss like new tv shows that have been announced there's no word on when they will come to air or if they will ever come to air because it's so early but that sounds intriguing yeah i mean uh
1: you can find the descriptions of both of them on spinoff online and uh if you're a fan of his work as i am it's this is exciting news if not uh i would recommend checking out some of his projects i would recommend starting with criminal that's probably one of the best series to kind of get a flavor of what he does and what he might possibly bring to television. Um, but yeah, I think this is good news. Hopefully one of these will get picked up.
0: Absolutely. Uh, all right, are we
1: are we ready to wrap up the news roundup? Well, let me just finish this up with a uh, quick little thing. Apparently also, uh, Cullen Bunn's horror western, The Sixth Gun, is also being looked at by Carlton Cuse, who was a uh, frequent director for mm. Lost. So any fans of Lost or... The series The Sixth Gun, there's reason for excitement there. I think this would make a fantastic TV series. Yeah, you've been telling me I should read that for a long time, haven't you? Oh, yeah, it's great. Uh, Definitely one of my favorite books right now. Um, If you like Western, if you like horror, uh, it's just a great series. It's sort of like... the lord of the rings set in the old west because it's about these uh pistols who like whoever possesses all six of these pistols can (laughs) like reshape
0: the world and one pistol to rule them all yeah (laughs) but uh see but instead of a stupid thing like a ring it's a gun which makes it automatically cooler than lord of the rings right exactly
1: and you have like um zombie um trail bandits and all sorts of great stuff like that it's a series worth checking out and it would make a fantastic adaptation
0: all right, well, I will probably check it out at some point, and obviously, if and when any of the shows we've talked about get picked up, we'll probably discuss them here on the podcast, just for the fact that we can say, hey, remember when we said we weren't sure that was going to be a thing? It's a thing now. Yeah. Um, but for now, let's go ahead and wrap up the news roundup, and we'll move into discussing pilot season. Um, so, why don't we start here by just saying... What did you guys think of pilot season as a whole? Um, and then talk about a little bit about the shows that you watched that you liked and the ones that you didn't. Uh, Sam, why don't we start with you? Because I know you said you, hadn't, you weren't too active during watching pilot season. No, right? I
2: wasn't. Um, because basically everything I'd been hearing about most shows, I guess not all shows, was that it was a pretty weak class. I think the ones that I wanted to see that I just didn't catch was uh, Last Resort and... Trying to think of one other one. I heard Ben and Kate was okay, and I think there was another drama that was supposed to be okay, but I didn't um, watch. Um,
0: Last Resort was awesome, and you should check it out. I have the episodes two and three still waiting on my TiVo queue at the moment, but that's a show that I clearly oh. plan to continue watching.
2: So you think that's probably on ABC.com, dot com, right?
0: Yeah, you should okay. definitely go check that out. Sure. It's um, I don't know if it's going to be a great television show in a season or two, but I do know that it was a really really solid pilot.
2: Okay. But yeah, I think I, the only one I watched was Go On, which was after uh, the
0: Olympics? Yeah, it was during the Olympics.
2: During the Olympics. Um,
0: it was NBC like, please watch something on our network.
2: <laughs> yeah, and uh, basically what I said about that, it was community, but it wasn't funny at all. And without all the pop culture fun and the interesting structure, really all the things that make community worth watching, this didn't really yeah. happen in the pilot. And I didn't, I didn't stick with it. Because honestly, I don't really even know when it's on, where it's on. It's a Wednesday show?
0: It's on Wednesdays, um, and it's a show that I've been meaning to revisit. I, in fact, promised myself that I would revisit it um, after a few episodes to see how it was doing. and haven't gotten around to it yet, so I'd like to see if the show becomes something interesting. I assume it will not, and will quietly die, as all Matthew Perry sitcoms post-Friends do. Um, and, And he'll pop up next season as a disgruntled ice cream truck vendor or something. No, no,
1: he's solving mysteries with the monkey.
0: Oh, right, we already said he mysteries with the monkey. But also, they, uh, they a, have an ice cream truck they out on the weekends. It's a continuation
1: of Friends. Like, NBC's going to bring back Friends, only, like, Chandler and the monkey are trying to track down who murdered all the other friends.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's it's Friends crossed with Watchmen, so, like, yeah. Joey's been thrown out a window, and the monkey and Chandler have to solve the murder.
1: Yeah, they're taking the franchise in a very different direction.
0: Yeah, and Ross is uh, Ozymandias, so... <laughs>
1: Uh, I actually did check in with a recent episode of uh, Go On. I'm not sure what episode it was, but involved Matthew Perry and uh, the woman from the grief group who is really into cats. And she just starts adopting a whole bunch of cats and keeping them at Matthew Perry's place for some reason. Um, it's
2: does I, she then I, disclose her problem? Like,
1: I ate it, my cat. <laughs> she he figures out that her problem is that she just likes buying cats. It's a uh it's a compelling hour of t- half hour of television. Um it's the it, the show is exactly what you expect from the pilot. It didn't really shake up the formula or anything like that. And it's really trying to go for the whole uh every episode ends in kind of a touching way sort of thing, which I I just don't really see it being a very sustainable concept unless it gets really really sad because either like these people are going to start to feel better at some point or more terrible things are going to happen to them like every season or so for, or for them to stay in this grief group or whatever
0: but maybe they'll form a surrogate family <laughs>
1: <laughs> maybe jordan maybe
0: <laughs> let me but the, the one question i have because all of that sounds exactly what i expected yeah um i'm just curious did it get funnier because it wasn't funny and that was the big problem for me
1: no, I, I still, Matthew Perry's character is the one that still comes close to it for me. Like I, I think Matthew Perry is a great comedian and even with writing that is subpar, I still think his delivery can almost get you there. Uh, So I, I almost laughed a few of his lines, but the rest of
0: it, no, not really. It, it did not get funnier. Fair enough. Well, um, I'll still, like I said, probably check back in at some point just because for my own edification, um, and I have a a weird loyalty to Matthew Perry, probably because I grew up watching Friends. Sure. Um, And I watched Mr. Sunshine all the way through, and I still maintain that show could have gotten good if it changed almost everything about itself. Oh, well. There were some really good good elements to Mr. Sunshine, and then there were a shit ton of really terrible things about it.
2: I say it never got better than the theme song. The theme song was great.
0: Alice and Janney was great. I do love Allison Janney. Didn't she she just drove around in a golf cart the whole time? Which was... She was she was playing like a, a a crazy rich person, which is a great role for her. Yeah. And could have been hysterical. Like she was funny. Matthew Perry was standard sarcastic, Curmudgeon Matthew Perry. And that was fine. And the rest of the show was like just really bad. Yeah. <laughs> um and like I said, uh we will watch Go On Quietly Die, probably, or it'll become a huge hit and we'll all go, oh. Um, and then we'll be sad because we don't get to see Chandler, the monkey, solve, uh, Joey's murder. Oh, that will happen. (laughs) For, for now, uh, one of the big comedy pilots of the, of the season was Mindy. Chris, did you watch Mindy? I
1: did watch Mindy. I watched, I think, either the first two or three episodes of The Mindy Project. Are you going to continue watching it or are you done? No, I, I'm, I'm in, I'm in it for the considerable future now. I, I enjoyed it. I found it to kind of bounce back and forth between moments that actually made me genuinely laugh and some stuff that I found to be very cliche, exactly what you would expect from this kind of show. Um, But I saw enough potential there that I will be sticking through it for at least another few episodes. Uh, Every time I see it, there's, I get at least a few laughs from it. And I think the characters are interesting enough and they've kind of fleshed out her world enough where it's, it's, it's the kind of show where I can see Being sustainable, like I can see the stories that come out here, I can see them. Okay, so one week they're going to focus on like her personal life. They can also focus on her professional life. There's enough there that I don't see them scrounging for ideas anytime
0: soon. Well, I think uh, I say this every pilot season, and especially when I uh, write about comedy pilots, which I uh, didn't really do this year. I was, for some reason, I was on CBS procedurals for the most part, and uh, we can talk about those in a minute. Sure, but. Every time we write about uh, comedy pilots, I always say, you know, it's not... It's hard to judge a show by the pilot, especially a comedy, and comedies tend to get way better after they've been on the air for, you know, eight to ten episodes. That's usually... Usually somewhere within the first season, sometimes even season and a half, the show figures out what it wants to be and becomes the show it's going to be. And at that point, if it's, you know... If there's rough going in the early going, that's fine. Because usually shows figure it out. So if it's funny now, I think it's going to probably become a solid show.
1: Yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I see a lot of potential there. I thought it was one of the stronger comedy pilot debut. I, admittedly, I didn't watch a lot of them. But of the ones I did watch, this was the one that I liked the best. That I saw the most potential in. And that I am feel best about sticking with. at least for, At least for now. Because as you said, it's only been getting better since the first episode.
0: Yeah, and I really, I also really liked Ben and Kate. Uh, not quite as much as the buzz around it. Like Everyone mm-hmm. seemed to think it was the greatest comedy pilot they'd seen in X number of whatevers. Um, I thought it was okay, but again, it was a comedy pilot. And I can, I can see that, that that cast has enough chemistry that it might become a, a show worth watching. It's a show that I'm not watching right now, but one that I won't be surprised if I have to catch up on it after season one.
1: I could see that. I watched the first two episodes of it. I wasn't really crazy about it. I found it to be very uh, forgettable, to be honest with you. Um, Yeah, I just didn't really, I I didn't find it that funny. Like the the whole brother and his, his, Ben's like hysterics and kind of breakdowns or whatever. And when he's on the verge of sobbing or just going like
0: over the top emotional decay, it just wasn't that funny for me. Um, I feel like a lot of that was forced, and I think I expect that will be toned down as the series goes forward. Um, I also, I'm hoping that it's going to go the way of Cougar Town and become more of a hangout show over the course of its uh, first season, because I feel like it's got a lot of characters that I think are interesting enough, but I don't really care about the let's raise the daughter together story all that much. So if that can get shunted to the side uh, in favor of just like funny people doing fun things together, then I'm all in favor of it. Sure. And, then, and Cougar Town, by the way, is another show that you have to uh, point out that it like, changed its premise and got way better about halfway through its first season. I still think this is
1: just some sort of elaborate like scheme on your part to get me to watch all of Cougar Town. And then by the end of it, you're just going to pull the rug out from under me.
0: See, and I thought that for so long until I finally sat down and watch the show. But it's really good and funny after you get past, past the first, like, eight episodes. That's a show that evolved. It figured out, like... Uh, first of all, it started as a writer's room gag um, it, with, uh, in the writer's room for Scrubs with the idea that, oh, after I finish writing Scrubs, I'm just going to do a show about Courtney Cox banging young guys, and it'll be a big hit. <laughs> um, and then he did, and then about <laughs> And it was episodes, a big hit. No, it was not, Aww. because about eight episodes and, in, it stopped being about that at all and just became about a bunch of like funny people hanging out with each other. And it was great as a result. More shows should do that, in conclusion. Um, and if Ben and Kate were to be one of those shows it might become something I would watch. At the moment, I don't plan to go back to it unless I hear a lot of great things about it uh, come May. Um, Why don't we turn and talk about some of the dramas? Chris, you were saddled with uh, two of these stranger pilots. One made (laughs) sense for you to write about, but just the the existence of both of these shows is a little weird. So why don't we take a second to talk about Mob Doctor and Arrow?
1: Okay. uh,
0: Starting with Mob Doctor, let me
1: just say that it's... Like I, it's a title that just goes for the most obvious like description of the show. Like there is no like room for debate or ambiguity about what you're getting with a show called The Mob Doctor. It's it's right there for you. It spells it right out. It's very
0: upfront. She's a wedding planner for a gynecologist. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Um,
1: and the show the pilot uh was interesting just in for how much of the show they tried to cram into that pilot i mean they lay everything out in there for you not in terms of um they they set up everything for that first season and there's a lot to go on and there's just a lot of different things going on this pilot it's it's almost hard to keep up with just how many they just keep introducing new characters and new subplots and uh new developments and she has like Three different crises both personal and professional in the pilot it it was really just almost as if three episodes of television just crammed into one uh which was impressive but not necessarily good um i i I think it could have been a good show in retrospect uh because it's it's an interesting idea like this doctor who owes like a substantial amount of money to the to the Mob and so is now on call on the payroll for them. It has to show up whenever they need medical attention for anybody in the family. Uh, it it just didn't really work out here. It was all very melodramatic. We the lead character was I don't even remember her name, but she wasn't very relatable. I she was, was mob doctor. I was doctor. screaming was at her scream like right? halfway towards the end of the like toward, in the last five minutes of the pilot, I was screaming at her because. She has this moment where, like, they're, they're, there's a new mob boss by the end of the episode. And he says, if you move to a different city, we're done. And she's like, no, I'm going to stay here and I'm going to stay in your debt. And I'm just screaming at the television at this point because it's such an easy out. You don't have to work for the mob anymore. And she's apparently, like, an amazing surgeon who can do all these kinds of experimental procedures. Like, I, I feel like she could get a new job somewhere. But in order to not have to go through the hassle of, like, an apartment hunt or something, she decides to stay indebted to the mob. Well, finding so, an apartment's tough,
0: for us. Yeah, it is. But... <laughs> I don't Plus, Chris, she's mob doctor. <laughs> yeah, the show isn't just doctor doctor. There's never been a not. show just
2: about doctors, right?
0: <laughs> no, that would be stupid. Who would watch a show just about doctors? Everyone knows I need something sexy and something violent in all of my shows. And nothing is sexy or violent about medicine.
1: But it, yeah, we, we, we make fun of it a lot, like because like the title is really, really dumb. But it didn't have to be a bad show because, you know, we've seen the, as, as you just said, we've seen the medical procedurals so many times, like combining it with the world of organized crime and someone leading a dual life. If approached a little bit more subtly, it could have been a good show. It could have been an interesting show and it could have been a new twist on a, an old concept. But it it just wasn't that it, it was everything you expected it to be from that title. The mob to down. me, it just sounds like it
2: just sounds like a show that was that never went beyond like a simple pitch. You know, people people love mob shows. People love doctor shows. Yeah,
1: you know, the math isn't hard there. Well, yeah, but but combining it, you could there there is a compelling show in there under all of the melodrama and
0: frantic pacing that the pilot handed you. I want to pitch another show. It's called Dr. Mob. It's a half-hour <laughs> sitcom starring Michael Imperioli as a, as a mobster who has to pretend to be a doctor for some undisclosed reason. I would watch that. I know, and it would be great, right? There'd probably be a monkey in a lab coat there.
1: Frequent guest stars by Matthew Perry, yeah.
0: Yeah, Math- Matthew Perry would also be there. He would be, like, sick and really sarcastic and upset about it.
1: <laughs> he's a patient who never gets better. <laughs> yeah.
0: basically he's, like, his character in Scrubs, <laughs> except he just never gets better throughout the entire series because his doctor's actually a mobster. I have no idea like how to treat the,
2: him. Uh, wasn't there a show called Dr. Vegas?
0: There was a show called Dr. Vegas. And he was, was that a Rob Lowe show? In Vegas? Rob Lowe was in one of those Vegas shows. It might have been Dr. Vegas.
2: I confused like Dr. Vegas with The Lion's Den, which I think might have they might might have both had Rob Lowe.
0: Well, I know Lion's Den Lions had Rob Lowe. Lowe. Yeah. And also, Lion's Den was like a quasi-spinoff to The West Wing that no one involved with The West Wing was familiar with, which was weird. But Wait, did he play Sam? He didn't play Sam, but the president on the show was President Bartlett. Really? Yes. Little-known facts that I only know because I watched the pilot of Lion's Den and went, well, this is a bad show, and it's weird that they wanted to take place in The West Wing universe. Yeah. Well, that makes no I mean, sense
2: because that means there's a guy who looks exactly like Sam Seaborn who's a...
0: who's a congressman and no one knows about it. Like None of the people on the West Wing are like, hey, you know that one congressman who looks exactly like Sam? We should talk to that guy. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should have some wacky hijinks in which Sam runs into the congressman and they look exactly alike. <laughs> you know we... what, do you know what secret
2: uh, spinoff, like, like a situation where it's like a spinoff but nobody knows it's a spinoff? I have my. You've probably thought about this, but um, Lily on How I Met Your Mother is remarkably similar to Willow. <laughs> my theory is that she wiped everyone's memories completely clean and moved to New York City and met Marshall, retconned everyone's minds into believing that she lived this life. Here's my thing one, homosexual tendencies deep Jack. down Lily is a lesbian she's in love with Robin we all know this anyone who watches How I Met Your Mother alright two if you're an idiot I know Willow isn't an idiot but she's like I need to come up with a new name and I don't want anyone to know that my name is Willow she goes with a plan again
0: yes <laughs> <with> the
2: <laughs> two her ability to uh, speak telepathically to all members of the group Oh, that true. is a distinct skill of Willows, which <laughs> is shown in, I think, season six of Buffy.
0: That is true. Also, your Buffy knowledge is is so impressive. Um, for those of you who do not know Sam but are listening to the podcast, Sam watched Buffy this summer uh, at my behest, and I am happy to see that you took to it so well, Sam. I'm I'm just saying, it's
2: I think it may it'll make how I met your mother more enjoyable for everyone if you just think this what is. What if the mother is Buffy?
0: Fun. What a twist! Right, Buffy shows up and is the mother, and Buffy then everything the falls apart, <laughs> and the world ends, and Buffy has to save Ted, and he's like, "Will you have my kids?" And she's like, "Yeah, all right."
2: And also, I just I just thought of this one, like, "How I Met Your Mother," like Lily, like snaps into those little rages where there's like fire and shit coming out of her,
0: and her hair turns black, and, and her hair she turns black. People, she <laughs> bad.
2: I think it's actually nice. her
0: hair does turn black on the show, right? She gets her hair dyed, so. Yeah, I, she but, I mean, does she does. Before.
2: She does have a. She
0: does have like a secret rage issue. Yeah. Yeah. When she
1: was she was a uh, when she was goth as a teenager, her hair was black. She was goth as a teenager. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, we've solved "How I Met Your Mother" now, wow. so this has been a pretty good pilot season wrap up. Yeah.
2: Um, so what? If, wait. What if the whole like premise of "How I Met Your Mother" was just like some weird implant by Willow? What if Xander is Ted?
0: Oh man. Now you're going off the rails, but okay.
2: <laughs> if you give me like another couple of weeks, I'll get this shit figured out.
0: Alright, we will return on the on a future of Review, to name, review to name podcast to Sam's theories about how High Metro Mother is actually a spinoff off of Buffy and all of the characters are interconnected. Um for now, Chris, did you want to have, do you have anything to say on Arrow? Uh
1: nothing beyond what I wrote in my review early on the site. You can check it out on uh Review to Name TV section. Uh it was Apparently, the CW's highest-rated show in three years, or something like the most-watched show they've had in three years. Did you guys see that? I did see that, yeah. but uh, you were
0: not a fan, as I gleaned from reading your review.
1: I was not impressed with the show. I found it to be a little bit too cookie cutter, close to Batman. Be- the plot of Batman Begins, which I expected to a degree because you know you you look at the promotions from the show, you look at the the similarities between green arrow and batman as characters it makes sense that warner brothers would want uh, for the first tv adaptation to try and stick as close to like the nolan interpretation of superheroes as possible however i didn't really think green arrow put its own well arrow put its own distinct spin to show you why this character is different than batman or anything like that instead you kind of just get, he has arrows well yeah and he's green but beyond
0: that, it's pretty similar. It's almost... What more do you want? Jesus <laughs> fuck. <laughs> Much like Mob Doctor, Arrow to me, I just want to scream Arrow a lot as we talk about it.
2: I assume if I was Arrow, I would just scream Arrow after I killed someone.
1: Yeah, I would
0: shoot my arrows and scream Arrow! Why else would you do it? I mean, it's not for that perk. Yeah. And the uh, the green eyeliner, which I think is a nice touch. I didn't watch the show, but I've seen stills of him not wearing a mask just wearing, like, smeared green eyeliner across his face. Yeah. Does it does it look better in the show? Because to me, it's like, that doesn't even function to cover up who you are in the least. Like, you're just wearing paint on your face.
1: He, he wears, like, a hood over his eyes most of the time. You can't really see his face. Okay. Uh, it's, it's a show I'm going to check in on in a few episodes. Like, I'm hoping this was just a pilot by committee where it's, this was such a big show for them. They just rewrote the damn thing so many times that it kind of became soulless in the end.
0: yeah that wouldn't um, surprise me at all
1: so i'm gonna check in about four or five episodes but at the moment i wasn't impressed with the pilot
2: all right chris um, haven't you heard about uh john barrowman playing mystery millionaire
1: uh yes i had heard about that
2: and is mystery millionaire gonna be bruce wayne
0: you know if john barrowman is playing batman on arrow i will watch that show that is a pledge I, I don't think it'll
1: happen. I mean they, they were trying to get Batman on Smallville for years, but the studio just wouldn't give up the rights.
2: Uh yeah, I guess Warner Brothers does they, do they still have like control over that shit?
1: Yeah. I mean it's But Warner Brothers isn't producing arrow. Yeah. yeah, I was yeah, gonna say. I but they, they just didn't want the two to ever meet for some reason. They they would not Allow Batman to be used, or the character of Bruce Wayne to be used in the televised universe. For well, small, I was gonna that's say, like, really I dumb. I don't know
2: how good John Barrowman would be as Batman, but I think yeah. he would be good as Bruce Wayne.
1: I can see it. Yeah, I I just don't know if it's all that likely, especially this early in the game when it took like the the can Bruce Wayne be in Smallville? Question was around for the entirety of that show, um, and even in its but, even as last they season, it I mean,
2: At this, at the same time, like the mysterious millionaire that comes up,
0: it yeah. would
2: seem pretty obvious if he did end up being Bruce Wayne, so they might... They might not go in that direction just because, like, you know, they leaked this True. information.
0: Yeah.
2: And that would be a little obvious, but...
0: Yeah, because, like you said, Sam, I mean, I don't know about Berman as Batman, but he's totally a Bruce Wayne type, so...
1: I think the danger there becomes is then the fans are going to, like... It, it. It's so distract, especially for the first season. It's m- less of a... Boost in terms of uh, to the comics fans, like oh, like Bruce Wayne is in this. As it is, it just becomes distracting from a show that's already doing pretty good right out of the gate. In that now the question becomes, when is Batman going to show up? When are we going to see Batman? When are we going to see Batman? Where they all they already arrows off to a great start, and if it retains any semblance of these numbers, it's going to be a hit for the CW, which is something
0: that they sorely. And it'll probably be on for like fifteen years, like Smallville was.
1: Yeah.
0: I could ask a lot of questions about how Smallville works with him never becoming Superman or whatever, but I'm not going to do that. I think we're going to wrap this up. Um, Any last thoughts in terms of favorites? I know, Sam, the only one you watched was Go On, so I'll leave you out. Chris, what was your favorite pilot that you saw this pilot season?
1: Uh, My favorite pilot that I saw, I think, was... Unless I'm forgetting something, I think it was The Mindy Project. But I have not watched Last Resort yet, and that's the one I'm most looking forward to. As soon as I get a free moment in my schedule, I'm going to go through the first three episodes because I've heard great reviews about it, especially from you, Jordan. And I, it's the show I was most excited for going into pilot season, and with a few episodes having been reviewed, it's still the show I'm most excited about.
0: Yeah, um, and that was my that's my pick for favorite pilot of the year. It was... Uh... It, it it looked like a cool premise for a show that I was worried was going to go off the rails within its first hour, and it didn't. Um, I don't know, again, like I said, I don't know if this show is going to be able to, to keep the story it's telling going uh, and without it going off the rails for weeks and seasons, but if it maintains the momentum of the pilot and continue, manages to stay on uh, on its path, then it's going to be a very good show, so... Uh, I would definitely recommend that you, Chris, and that all of you listeners watch Last Resort. Um, and also, you should check out all of our pilot coverage to uh, see what we thought about the pilots we didn't get a chance to talk about on the podcast over at com in the TV section. Uh, now I think it's time to play a little game. Let's toss things over to you, Chris. Okay, so long-time
1: listeners to the podcast know how this works. The game is Who Would Win, where we present two characters or two groups of characters and ask you the pa- our... Um, other contributors on the show to weigh in on who would win in a fight. Sometimes the fight is a straight-up physical fight. Sometimes it's a little more open-ended. Sometimes I will lay out the guidelines for how the fight works, or sometimes I'll just leave it up for the panelists to really explore any kind of avenue of how a confrontation between these characters would go down. So let's start things off... Um, <laughs> All right, let's start things off since we had the uh, The Walking Dead returned this uh last night for its season 3 premiere. So let's start things off with um zombie herd versus pack of velociraptors as in Jurassic Park velociraptors. Jurassic Wait. Park one velociraptors.
0: First of all, I have a serious question. Yes. The Walking Dead is still a show? I um <laughs> Oh shoot! It was on my TiVo. I'm not sure though. <laughs> okay, I'm just being a dick because I stopped watching it because I I, <laughs> I I got tired of it. Um, yeah. So herd of zombies versus velociraptors. Herd of zombies versus pack of velociraptors. I okay. I have an actually important question. Okay. Uh, does the does the zombie virus affect velociraptors? Yes, but in the way of it does, the same way it affects
1: the people. Like they don't turn into zombies immediately when they get bitten. Okay, but they the raptors... do eventually
0: turn into zombie raptors. Yes,
1: but assume the raptors are a little more hardy than your average Walking Dead survivor. A, tougher to bite into their skin, and B, takes more time to succumb to the virus.
0: Okay, I'm still giving it to the zombies, though. If the, if the zombies can infect the, the zombie raptors, and, and, or the raptors and make zombie raptors, the zombies are going to win. This is how zombies win in every zombie narrative ever. They just yeah, keep Yeah, but don't coming. zombies
2: really just want like human flesh?
0: Yeah, I assume. Well, I know they, they ate the horse. But I assume good? these zombies are going to try to eat the raptors. Otherwise, they're not going to be yeah. fighting. Um,
2: I think I'm going to take raptors. Are the numbers the same?
1: No, there are more zombies than there are raptors.
2: Well, how many ra- raptors are there?
1: <laughs> uh, we're going to say somewhere between five and ten. Raptors and around 40 to 50 zombies.
2: Uh, That's tough.
1: It's going to be zombies, I'm telling you.
2: Sorry, did you say, are these the Jurassic Park raptors?
1: Jurassic Park 1 Velociraptors. Okay. Well, that changes
2: everything. <laughs> I mean, these guys have fine motor skills. Um, <laughs> they can, like, make pulley systems to trick... The zombies.
0: They can open up the cabinets. They or... can open up all doors. <laughs> all doors. <laughs> Even really hard doors. If they can
2: open a door, they can operate a gun. <laughs> so if we're dealing with velociraptors, who can handle weapons.
1: Most definitely. I mean, let's just Guns assume that the,
2: the velociraptors in Jurassic Park 2 have the same intelligence as those like, two kids. So like a 12-year-old. Yeah. If I know anything, I know that a 12-year-old can pick up a gun and shoot something. And they have the power and ferocity of a Velociraptor. And they don't even have a lot of brains to eat. And I imagine, like, eating their flesh, like, it's probably kind of scaly and not so palatable. I think zombies are probably more into, like, kind of fleshy stuff. Fleshy, like, mammals. Like, people or horses or dogs. So I feel like zombies, like, they might bite them. But it's going to be a really tough time keeping them down.
0: But once you have one zombie raptor, the raptors are in real trouble because the zombie raptor is gonna be able to take them out.
2: But what the zombie? I mean, the zombie raptor. All you need is one zombie raptor, and this fight is over.
0: But
1: this is like these aren't two intelligent groups that are facing each other. It's not like this is gonna be like a campaign drawn out over like months and weeks. This is gonna be like this is gonna be over in the span of the first
0: encounter. Well, I mean, that's only true if you assume the zombies just eat all, or the raptors eat all the zombies, and then they go go about their b- business. This could be a sustained campaign if the zombies are going to win. It's going to have to be for the zombies to win. I. So you think the zombies are going to uh, follow the raptors? I think Probably. the zombies infect one raptor during this encounter, and the raptors will eventually die. This is how the zombie narrative works.
2: <laughs> no, but this is outside the zombie movie yeah. universe.
0: They only need to get one, though
2: not so sure how they'd get
0: one. All right, well, we're going to have to agree to disagree on this one, Sam, unless Chris wants to break the tie. I'm going to break the tie and give it to the Raptors, Sam is Thank correct. you. All right, well, I will I will sit over here and um you can all uh come crying to me when zombie Raptors attack and kill you. <laughs> Any day now that will happen.
1: <laughs> um okay, so let's keep things moving. How about a Halloween themed one? How about we go Count Dracula versus Frankenstein's monster.
0: Are these the book versions or the uh, Boris Karloff 1930s movies uh, versions? We're gonna give this. We're gonna say it's the book versions. Okay, Um, Sam, you can go ahead and answer first, since I stole the spotlight with my answer first last time. Um, Well, I think you know the question. the,
2: The movie question had to do with intelligence level in regards to. Frankenstein Frankenstein, absolutely. Um, at the same time, Dracula can fucking fly. And I think when you have that advantage, because, you know, Frankenstein, like, he might have, like, super strength, but what is he going to have? Like, the strength of, like, two men? Tops? <laughs> and, like, what? He's, one man he, and one small boy. Like, he has the intelligence of, like, a literate adult. So... I'm leaning towards Count Dracula because, you know, Frankenstein is science. Dracula is supernatural. Dracula can turn into a bat, fly away, come back, bite him, fly away, come back, bite him again, fly away. (laughs) I see Dracula developing a strategy here. That's what I would do. Um,
0: Let me ask you this, Chris. (laughs) Yeah. At what point in the timeline of both Dracula and Frankenstein are we? Because my initial thought is, Frankenstein's monster is going to be immortal, but he's young during the book, right? Like, he's just getting started. Dracula, on the other hand, has been around for hundreds of years by the time uh, his book takes place.
1: Let's say it's during the... It's each character from around close to the end of their respective
0: books. All right, Dracula totally. Dracula is... He's been around for a long time. Like Sam says, he has supernatural powers, but also, like, he's just... He's just gonna be better at living from having done it for so much longer. And while Frankenstein's monster is dangerous to standard humans like you and I, because, like Sam says, he has the strength of two men, um, <laughs> and he's also Red Paradise Lost, which is really intimidating, um, Dracula is a mass murderer for hundreds of years.
2: I was going to say, like, Franken- uh, Frankenstein monster's power is, like, contemplating what it means to be human. Right. Uh, and, and Dracula's power is seducting people... And killing them. The monster's them to is gonna
0: be work. sitting around brooding thinking about Milton and Dracula will tear <laughs> his throat out. I, th- I think we've we've satisfied uh we finished that question up. Fair enough. Alright. <laughs> See
2: if it if it, if it, if it was movie I guess movie Frankenstein would probably have a better chance, because he's just a brawler.
0: Yeah. Also I, I, I tend to get the the feeling that movie Dracula is easier to kill than novel Dracula.
2: Well I'm thinking of like you can think of like Bella Legosi. Yeah. And he's just kinda like a swarmy European guy. Yeah. He I mean, seems I,
0: easy to kill. <laughs> but
2: at the same time he could turn into a fucking bat and just leave. <laughs> That's not a great power. You can't under
0: you can't underrate that power. <laughs> I think in I think in either in either circumstance I still put money on Dracula, but if it's Karloff versus Legosi, it's gonna be a closer fight, I think.
1: All right, so I think Dracula takes it. Okay, uh, do we want one more, or are we done with yeah, this? Yeah, let's do a final round. Okay, let's do a final round. Um, a quick one or an involved one? A quick one. Okay. Uh, bear in mind that we subbed this game in for a different game we had planned, so I was coming up with these on the fly. so uh, this one's going to be the shark from Jaws versus Jordan. Versus Jordan Ferguson? Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Versus editor-in-chief of Review to be named Jordan.
2: Uh, first question. Yes. Does Jordan (laughs) ever have to go near a body of water? Yes. That's my first question, too.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Assume he's just out there. Second question. Do I have like anything to fight him with, or am I just like in my swim trunks in the middle of the ocean? You have your car keys. I have my car keys. Do I I don't have a boat? I don't have like a sword. No, you, you have one of those,
1: like, uh, like those inner tubes that you go down water slides with.
0: <laughs> I like my
1: chances. <laughs> you also is, have a wire uh, hanger. I will wearing, give you a wire um, hanger, too.
2: Is Jordan wearing a comically ironic, um, turkey-themed bathing suit with, like, Thanksgiving turkeys all over them?
0: No, I'm actually, I'm wearing an 18th century, uh, bathing, like, suit. So oh. it's like the whole, it's, yeah, it's like the old onesie um, from that, like, Money Python sketch.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That's yeah. what I'm wearing. Well, Jordan, we go, guys?
2: could we give information to Jordan now? Like, is this happening in the future, or is this happening in the past?
0: <laughs> uh, as if it's in... happening in the past, I think we know I won. <laughs> <laughs> it's happening no, no, in no, the future. in an
2: alternate universe.
0: Yeah. What okay, I'm saying so not, is, can I don't the know information
2: this, Jordan learns in this podcast right now, could it save his life?
1: It could,
0: but it probably won't. <laughs> I have car keys and a wire hanger, and I'm wearing a onesie. Jordan,
2: jam the keys into his eye.
0: <laughs> that was going to be my fighting strategy. That's all you got. Yeah, obviously I'm going to go keys, one eye, wire hanger, the other eye, and then he's going to be pissed <laughs> and blind and eat me. But he's going to be blind. He's not like a regular shark. He's Jaws. He gets off on eating people. Like, he's not going to stop just because I punched him in the nose. He's going to be like, you punched me in the nose, now I'm going to eat you as vengeance. Jaws survives multiple movies of eating people who are much more equipped to kill him than I am. Doesn't he, like, come back after getting blown up a few times? Yeah, I mean, I think it's always a different shark, theoretically. Uh, I was going to
2: say, it is a different shark.
0: But it's Jaws, right? Like...
2: I think the second one, maybe it's like his son or something. It's like avenging the
0: father. I don't know. <laughs> Do sharks have like this this le- this sense of vengeance? Oh yeah, totally. We'll see that I'm in even more trouble. Because <laughs> even if I escape, he and his shark children are going yeah, to come after but, but me. This,
2: I'm assuming if you were able to defeat Jaws, like a boat would eventually come around and pick you up, and then you'd be on your way well, and you'd never. Keep in mind though,
0: if yet. I defeat Jaws, the water is going to be full of the blood of a shark. Yeah, but you, everyone knows that. If starts, he kills Jaws, he needs life.
1: to be cocky. He's going to start swimming all the time after that. Wow, I mean, think... we're able to dictate
2: what Jordan will be like after this event?
1: Oh, totally. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Jordan will get a sex change soon after defeating Jaws. <laughs> <Jordan.
0: laughs> but I'll have a sex change. That's, uh, it's more like the plastic surgery that, uh, what, um, was it Kyle's dad? Yeah, Kyle's dad gets on South Park where I become part shark. I mean, I think he became part dolphin, if I recall, but I'm going to become part shark. And then I'm going to be, uh, the third wheel of Matthew Perry and Crystal the Monkey's, um, buddy cop comedy, but I'll just be really sad all the time because I'm part shark. That was really close to being our final who would win, actually. (laughs) Um, so, wait, did I win? No, you did not win. Good, because that would be absurd. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Um,
1: the shark wins. (laughs)
0: All right, we're going to wrap that up and turn to another recurring segment on the podcast. Listeners may recall Challenge Accepted, where one of us dares another member of the staff to do something pop culture related. And in the last Challenge Accepted, Sam dared me to watch an episode of Ken Burns' baseball documentary, Baseball. Uh, It was the sixth inning, which covers the 40s in baseball. And I did watch it. So, Sam, let's talk about it.
2: Well, Jordan, first, what did you think? Let's get that Um, out of the way first.
0: I liked it. I didn't love it. I thought I figured if I was gonna, if I thought there was a chance that I would go through and watch several episodes of the documentary before this episode, and we would talk about more than just the sixth inning, and I would surprise you. But after I watched the sixth inning, I was like, ah, I'm kind of okay not watching the other, I guess, ten innings, right? Because they're tenth. Yeah, and they just now. came
2: out with the tenth inning like last year.
0: Okay, so I guess the other nine innings that I would have had to watch. Um, I, I wouldn't be opposed to watching them at some point, but I didn't love it enough to think. I have to. I have to run out and watch the rest of this right now. But I mean, I really liked Doris Kearns Goodwin's story. Um, I really liked watching uh, Happy sing "Take Me Out to the Ball Game" as a really old man. I thought that was cool. Um, obviously, everything about Jolton Joe, who was apparently a baseball player, yeah, um, and Not just Jackie a, Robinson a character was in cool. a song. Yeah, here I thought I thought the uh, Simon and girlfriend were just being very clever, but no, they were talking about an actual human being who played baseball. Uh, So yeah, I would say I liked it, (laughs) Um, in short.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, it's definitely, like a lot of Ken Burns documentaries, it's, you know, it's insanely long. It's 18 and a half hours, just the original version, and I think with the, with the 10th inning that came out last year, it's like, I think it's up to 20 hours. It's like
0: 450 hours long.
2: So yeah, like all Ken Burns documentaries. Yeah, like, and
0: I mean, even the sixth inning, in and of itself, felt very long. Well, like, it was. I, I think. It,
2: I think the sixth inning is like two and a half hours.
0: Yeah, it is. It's two and a half hours, and you know, it's it's the length of a baseball game, basically. Yeah.
2: Um. But something I think that's kind of interesting. I was thinking about like Ken Burns today, just in general. And Ken Burns is one of, I think, the most famous American documentary filmmakers. And I don't think he's ever had a. Directed a film that's come out to theaters.
0: That's true. He purely
2: lives in uh, TV land,
0: and pretty much just PBS, right?
2: Uh, I think so. Yeah,
0: and maybe even exclusively PBS. I don't know that for a fact, but I think he's just like he's pretty much a PBS guy. And I mean, it's it's clearly a well made documentary, and I was surprised how many people um, from the '40s were still alive to you know be interviewed. Yeah, well, this
2: is the movie,
0: the original... I know it was uh, made in the 90s. Yeah,
2: 94, I think it came out, so he was probably making it in, like, 92 or 93.
0: Yeah, I mean, maybe even earlier than that, since it's so long.
2: Um, Um, But something... It's just something I like about Ken Burns, and I think it's kind of... it, It leads to a discussion about what we like about television is, you know, it's rare that a story will be able to be told to its full potential in two hours or three hours in a movie theater right. and you know a lot of there are a lot of great documentaries that are able to do it but Ken Burns will take something as complicated as the Civil War or the history of jazz or World War II and he will you know take the time to to you get know, all the angles yeah on. to really dig in and like not. and that's
0: the sort of thing you can only really do on television and I think that that baseball did a good job of that um you know, of really giving you a sense of of the scope A of the sport in general, but also of the period, you know, it's it was about it was about the forties. So it was, you know, it's about World War II. It's about baseball really like stepping into its prime. And I think it's a story that, you know, could have been told in a movie, because clearly this one episode was about the length of a movie. But if you want to tell the story of all of baseball with all of its intricacy, or all of the Civil War or jazz, or any of the Ken Burns subjects. I think I think he picks things that are weighty enough they need to be on television and they need to be given the time and attention that he gives them.
2: Yeah, and I think that's something that we like appreciate about just the medium of, medium of television itself with, you know, fiction shows. You, uh, we're able to learn about these characters and explore stories and angles that you just couldn't do in two hours or three hours. Um, and I think, you know, it always goes back to you know, me and Jordan talk about this a lot. You know, we think television might be better just because of this.
0: The, yeah, the I fact was just going to say that
2: it it, it it gives you the opportunity to really dig deep into something. And of course, there's you know, there's ton, tons of bad television. There's tons of bad uh, films. But something that I like about all TV, and in this case, what I like about Ken Burns, is that you know he's he's not going. There's so many stories to tell, and there's so many worthwhile stories to tell if you're telling a history of something. And, and you can argue. Take a look at, you know, Mad Men, for example, or Breaking Bad. We're basically getting a a history lesson, a fake documentary about these people and these characters and what they have to go through in their lives. Um, And TV allows us to to do that and to do it every week for years. Right. I was
0: just – if you sit down and, um, you know, really talk to someone who loves pop culture like we do and you talk to them about their favorite movies – and their favorite TV shows, I feel like there's so much more emotional investment in my favorite TV shows than there aren't even my favorite movies. And I don't think that's something, you know, that casts dispersions on the effectiveness of movies as a medium, obviously. But TV, you build, you build characters, you build worlds, and you get so much more invested. I always say, and it's sitting right next to me right now because I'm trying to get a friend to start watching it. Uh, when I talk about Six Feet Under, I always say, you know, those characters become like family members to me. Over the course of the series, you get to know them so well, and you get to understand everything that makes them tick so flu- fully that they become, like, real living people that inhabit your life for one week every, you know, for an hour a week, which is just not, the, not a level of detail that movies can even aspire to, even, like, franchises movies, you know? I don't feel like I know Daniel Radcliffe's Harry Potter or Indiana Jones or, you know, even James Bond at anywhere near the level you would know a TV character. I agree, and I think that that Ken Burns does that for documentaries. So I, I mean, if we want to, if we want to do one takeaway about baseball, other than the baseball is good, and if you're interested in the history of baseball, or even if you're not, and I'm really not, um, it's probably worth your time at some point. And I plan to at some point in my life see the rest of the documentary, though probably not at some point during law school <laughs> because yeah, I don't it's, have it's one of those twenty things, hours.
2: It's uh, I want I. Watch all of baseball. It was probably over a winter break during college. Yeah. And that's like, that's when you need it. When you have like days of nothing to do,
0: you and know, you just want to pick up pick a, up a Ken
2: Burns documentary and just fucking pile drive through
0: that shit. Yeah. And, um, based on this and based on the other Ken Burns documentaries that I've seen, um, I, I would recommend it. Um, and also I'd recommend television.
2: Yeah, television. As a medium of
0: storytelling. Television, um, it's
2: not just for stupid people. This has been, that's, this has been a big episode good. about TV for us. But i That's I think going that, out to all you I-don't-watch-TV people out there. You are the worst.
0: Well, I feel like I-don't-watch-TV people were a thing like a decade ago. But no, anyone who, says, anyone who says they don't watch TV now needs to just go get fucked. Like... <laughs> If you, have, if, you, if you can show someone like The Wire or Breaking Bad or Mad Men or, you know, any of the greats of drama or even, you know, Arrested Development or Parks and Rec, like, if you can show those people those television shows and they go, that's not for me, then they need to get out of my life. <laughs> like, those are, those are great pieces of art in drama and comedy that, that are akin to and some would argue better than even the, the heights of film. Um, so people need to respect television more. In conclusion
2: what other uh uh ken burns documentaries have you seen
0: um i've seen jazz which i i watched it years ago and i want to go back and watch it again because now i'm getting into jazz uh for an upcoming feature on the website actually oh, so okay. i intend to go back and re-watch jazz, um, jazz probably is good. probably as part of the feature actually um i i think I'll, I'll watch it and do an interlude on on jazz the documentary but i liked it yeah it was really fun, really informative. Um, didn't, I didn't jump into jazz after the way I intended to at the time because I got too busy. Mm -hmm. But, um, now I am and I'm planning on going back and watching jazz and, uh, I think I'll enjoy it again. Um, so, yeah, to wrap up, television is great, Ken Burns is awesome, baseball was good.
1: (laughs) Uh, before,
0: before we end challenge accepted, I have to dare someone else in the staff and, um, I've decided to break the rules of challenge accepted since I invented it and can not do that, um, and I'm going to dare the entire staff. So everyone who is a participant on the podcast, Wait, does that um, does that mean at the end of this we all get to dare you to do something? Like, to you do can something if different? you want to. I haven't figured out how that's going to work yet. Um, <laughs> we well, can but, do like four dares at once. But over the course of over the course of the podcast life, you will all get a chance to dare me to do weird things. So I'm daring everyone, those of you who have not made an appearance in the podcast yet, if you want to take up the dare and come on challenge accepted next time, you're welcome to. But for now, it's gonna be Chris, Alex, and Darren, you were on before, you should read it too. I'm daring all of you to read Neil Gaiman's Sandman. Chris, Chris is our oh, comics editor. Right. He knows more about comics than pretty much anyone I have ever met. And he has not read Sandman, which is easily the greatest achievement in comics, in my opinion. Um, Sam, I've been trying to get you to do it for years, and...
2: Well, I was doing it, and then a good friend of mine took back all the comics, yeah, and then I well, stopped reading them.
0: really what happened is my little brother... I tried... I tried what a to shitty friend. That sounds like a it. dick. And what a, he, what a uh, shit friend. Did not, that did not go over well. <laughs> He lost he them. Did, he did, but I, I had to go books. out and buy them again, which I did because I love Sandman that much, and that's why you all need to read it, so that for the rest of my life when I'm talking about Sandman, I won't be to my few friends who've read it or to a wall or to strangers on buses. <laughs> so I dare you all to read Sandman. Um, it is 75 issues, so it's a bit of a commitment, but I think you can all do it. We will be doing the next Challenge Accepted somewhere on or around the November 18th-ish podcast. So whenever we record somewhere around then, or I guess if all of you are woefully behind as you may be, we may bump it a week or two, but it's going to be near the end of November. So read Sandman. Those of you out there in uh, our audience who have read Sandman should be excited. Those of you who haven't, go read it as well, because we're going to talk about it a lot. I may even decide to make it a challenge accepted uh, podcast, long challenge accepted, and do an all Sandman podcast, because that's how much I love Sandman and how much I think we'll have to say on it once you've all read it. So go read that. You are challenged, and now go accept it. Uh, With that, it's time to wrap up the show. And before we do, obviously, we have to announce the winner of the Rachel Tardiff Memorial Award for Best Performance of the Week. Uh, This was a dark, post-apocalyptic news roundup for us. Um, Few got out of it alive, (laughs) including some of my most cherished childhood figures, the Peanuts. Um, But one person did get out of the review be named News Roundup Alive. Well, person is being charitable, and this person uh, popped up throughout the rest of the podcast, so the winner of the Rachel Charter Memorial Award for Best Performance of the Week is successful television actress, Crystal the Monkey. Yeah! Uh, Crystal, you should come down, get your trophy, get your small cash prize, hang out with us for a little while, and we look forward to seeing you playing the monkey from Friends opposite Matthew Perry's Chandler in Friends slash Watchmen, whatever it's going to be called next fall on NBC um also the show will be filmed in in a basement somewhere with no budget because nbc will be a hollow out husk of a network by then but crystal will come talk to you about your success you're the highest paid monkey in television so we'd like to talk to you about that come on down congratulations you won the week with that um all of you should check out the website at reviewbenamed.com and you should especially this week check out the launch of the review Named game section uh, it launched today and our new games editor, John, is going to be filling up a lot of content throughout the week. So go check that out. Check out the rest of the site. You can follow us on Twitter at rubynamed You can email us at Named at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, and for now, see you next week. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye.